Hey, welcome to the Husker Cuz Cast Sports Show, proud partner of HuskerHype.com. Justin here along with the cousins, Derek and Tyler. Big news out of this week is, actually, Derek. Derek filmed a tornado from his back porch and posted on Twitter, which was really cool. Derek, tell us about that real quick. <laughs> it was pretty cool. It got a lot of views, uh, a, lot of, a lot of DMs, more retweets than any of us have ever had. So, it was kind of cool. So... Basically, you're saying the Twitter experience was more exciting than the tornado experience? Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was really cool. Uh, the, 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 the tornado from my house was fairly uneventful, even though it landed about a block from my house. But it was fairly uneventful at my house. Well, it was certainly fun to watch. Uh, anyway, moving on out of this weekend, the NFL draft. The NFL draft came and went. Uh, again, only one Husker drafted. That's Tanner Lee, who was the sixth round pick, uh, 203 overall to Jacksonville Jaguars. He could be the next Tom Brady, I suppose. Uh, do you guys have any thoughts on uh, Tanner Lee, Tyler? Uh, you know, I, I would like to say that I was surprised that he was the only drafted uh, player, but I mean, I think that you look at what the pros saw in him and while the media saw in him, obviously the guy has talent. Now, can he put it together in a game setting? I don't know. But I'll tell you, he's going to at least learn from a great quarterback in Blake Bortles. Oh, wait, never mind. Uh, that's probably not true. So I, I think he's got a good shot. That's a good That's a good position for him, uh, backing up Blake Bortles in Jacksonville. So playing behind Blake Bortles, do you see him actually sniffing the field this, in his rookie campaign? No, but... But maybe next the year after that, there's saying there's a chance. Uh, yeah, Dirk, what you maybe, think? Maybe, maybe if Blake Bortles' arm falls off, he, he could maybe sniff the field. Uh, go ahead, Tanner. So Chris Sims had had a thing on Dan Lebetard. For people that haven't seen it, he he counted down. He had a theory that Blake Bortles was like the 85th best quarterback. In the NFL, and it had one of the greatest segments where every day for 85 days he came in and named a quarterback better than Blake Bortles. My point is, Tanner Lee hopefully will end up being one of the top 80-some quarterbacks in the NFL. That's pretty funny coming from Chris Sims, considering you know he was he barely cracked the top 60 in the NFL when he played. He wasn't even the best quarterback when he played at Texas. Oh, that's true. I, I, I will say this. Yeah, Mike, Riley came, Mike Riley came in and did exactly what you told me he would do, Justin. That's put a quarterback in the NFL. He did do it. I, I doubted it. I didn't think it had ever happened. God, I was right. I was right. But that's the only right. thing he did because he still sucked. Yeah. Does anybody know the last time uh, a Nebraska quarterback got drafted at quarterback in the NFL? Keith and McCann. 12th round. Yeah. Yeah, that, of course, that, that stat's been going around everywhere. <laughs> Steal my thunder. Sorry. Wait, start over. No, who? <laughs> Moving on! <laughs> All right, some other guys, uh, they signed some free agent deals. Uh, Luke McNitt, uh, 
walk-on guy, you know, until his, uh, yeah, he was a walk-on guy. Go to Atlanta. Chris Jones signed a deal with uh, Detroit. Tyler Hoppus to Minnesota. He was a walk-on that received a scholarship his senior year. Uh, DPE went to Washington. Josh Kalou, Tennessee. Nick Gates, New York Giants. David Neville, he uh, earned a tryout in Oakland. And uh, three guys, to my dogs, uh, to be determined still, Drew Brown, Marcus Newby, and Kyron Williams. Uh, there's two guys out of this list that probably made a mistake uh, in the draft. Nick Gates won, leaving too early, uh, getting picked up by New York Giants. The other guy, it's got to be Chris Jones, right? Uh, coming back from that injury way too early. Uh, he was a guy that I think, you know, he, he probably would have been drafted if he would have been healthy, but he rushed that injury and came to play for a turd of a team. And so I think that hurt him as well. What do you guys think? I agree. I mean, yeah, especially Nick Gates. I think that was the bigger mistake out of any of it, but uh, Chris Jones, I, I think he wanted to get on the field and show what he could do. I don't blame the kid. Nick Gates, I, I do think, made a big mistake, though. Like, leaving early after having a – I mean, he was terrible. Yeah. So, he, so he what, just makes you want to go, what makes you want to go to the NFL draft knowing you had just a, a horrible season? Yeah. I mean, he, he wasn't even that strong. I mean, did he even do 20 reps uh, on the bench press? <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to Casey today, that my, my buddy over at Fourth and Too Much, and he was telling me, uh, or he was he was calling him, what was he calling him, floodgates today, because <laughs> he could Flood never gates. stop anybody. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. Well, ultimately, this is the second year in a row where Nebraska's had just one draft pick. Remember last year, it was just uh, Nate Gary. Uh, so I want to ask you guys a question here. Is this a result of talent development? Is it a bad scheme for those players, or is it just something else? What can you attribute just one draft pick in the last two years? Tyler? You know, I, I think the main thing you have to point to is the development of these players. Um Obviously, Mike Riley had a lot of struggles here's time in Nebraska, but there, there's no excuse for this lack of input in the NFL. Um, if you if you look at the you know the three year average of different stars, um, there about almost 25 percent of four star athletes end up making or getting drafted by the NFL. Nebraska hasn't come close to that stat under Mike Riley. Now, I will be the first to admit, Bo Pelini under-recruited. He un- it wasn't there, but it wasn't this bad for the out-of-NFL uh, talent that was put out. Uh, Mike Riley and what this staff did over the last couple of years is the main uh, cause of the fact that these players weren't making the NFL. Yeah. Derek? I, I agree. I, for, for one time ever, maybe, I agree with Tyler here. I mean, it, to, to me... The, the recruiting rankings, as far as where Nebraska ranked, was usually averaged between 20 to 30, maybe 35 at the, at the highest, I think. And so we had recruits here. And not saying Bo Pelini was the great coach by any stretch of imagination, but he was still putting the players in the NFL. His, him and his coaches were still putting players in the NFL. 
And then Mike Riley came in, and we started losing more, and you watch the games, and nobody looked like they – a lot of times people didn't look like they knew what they were doing, especially on defense. Everybody always seemed to be lost on defense. And so I, I think I think it has to be blamed solely on development, really. Do you think that maybe, you know, development probably was an issue, but do you think it was, you know, the the schemes that these players had to play under uh, with Riley and, you know, Banker and Diaco? Do you think that that hurt them as well, Tyler? No, not really. I think I think the schemes were the schemes. I mean, I mean, there there's so much so many examples of talent finding its way to the NFL. If you're fast, if you're strong, if you have film, you can make a roster. Um, you know, I, I, I will disagree a little bit with Derek. I don't think it's solely on Riley and his staff. I think that you can look back at the staff, um, you know, prior to them and say, did they recruit that many top tier talent? And I think that answer is really no. I mean, you go back to that, you know, 2013 recruiting class, um, you know, if, if players that end up graduating i mean we did see a couple of them uh end up making the nfl roster but i mean i think that it's really tough to blame this solely on what mike riley did well there are three people out of that 2013 class that actually got drafted with malik collins randy gregory and uh, nate gary uh so that 2013 wasn't terrible as far as the nfl uh but I don't know. There's, I think the development's going to change here under Scott Frost. It's definitely can't get any worse by no means. I mean, he did a good job uh, at UCF. UCF had what four guys drafted this year? I believe so. One of them was in the first round. Yeah, and Quinn Griffin beat all odds and playing with his brother, which was a really cool moment. I'd love to see him all the backstory about that. That was. That was a lot of fun. Uh, but so out of these departing Huskers that we have here, uh, what will be the toughest to replace in 2018? Where is there one? Tyler? Yeah, I think if I had to put a name, um, and, and it's not based off of what his field did last year, but I, I would go Chris Jones. I think that we are in desperate need of a cornerback, and I think Chris Jones was a bad circumstance of an injury that kind of took that year away from him. His junior year, he had a hell of a year. Um, you know, Justin, you were semi-critical of him coming back, saying that may not have been the best move. You're right, may not have been his best career move, but it showed good football acumen and heart to come back on that field. Um, I, I think he is a guy that we could have definitely used coming around to 2018. Derek? I, I, I don't know. My, my, my biggest one was uh, after watching that spring game especially, and I understand we can't judge everything off that spring game, but was Drew Brown. Easy. It was an easy choice for me. He was a very yeah. accurate kicker. He was consistent. And I don't know that we have that now. And I'm hoping that maybe one of these guys develops into something that can resemble at least some kind of consistency. But... Right now, Drew Brown, I think, is easy to say. He's got the they got the biggest shoes to fill there. Yeah, and I, I agree. He's that's going to be the toughest to replace. But Derek, I want to come back at you. If you had to pick a position player, whether on offense or defense, 
Who would you pick out of that group? Ooh. Not that he was good, but probably Nick Gates, because that's been a, a, a position that we're struggling with already. And I know that he's not – I know he wasn't necessarily – good either so maybe it's not good shoes to, maybe shoes to fill is not a good way to put that but it's a, it's a position group that I think we need to get better at more than anything you think he'd be a starter if he came back probably uh, I am going the route of I'm, I'm, I'm going with uh, Tyler on this one uh, and that's just based off of bodies uh, I, I do agree with you Derek that Drew Brown He's going to be tough to replace, but it would be nice to have somebody like Chris Jones back this year, just from a depth perspective. I mean, we could really use his talent on the cornerback, uh, but both guys are truly going to be – they're going to be missed. You know, you can say what you want about Chris Jones or you know, kind of like what I said earlier, but, uh, yeah, he, he should have come back. Uh Moving on, uh, Diamond Sportsbook International, they recently set the over-under at five and a half wins for Nebraska in 2018. What do you guys think about that, Derek? Bet the over all day long. I, I, I really can't see us winning five games this year. Or not only winning five games, I mean. I, we're winning at least six or seven, I think. Easy, yeah. Tyler, what do you think? Yeah, I, I tend to agree with Derek, but bet the over. But let me ask you this, guys. Are you surprised that the line was five and a half games? Absolutely. I was. So, Justin, let me ask you, Justin, let me ask you this. How many games did we win last year? Four. Do you think our schedule is tougher this year or last year? It's tougher this year. This year, okay. Tougher schedule. We've only won four. How, how many Division One snaps has our quarterback taken? Zero. Oh, Okay, I'm starting to understand why Vegas may not have a lot of confidence in the Huskers this year. Derek, you're right, take the over. But, like, I almost think this was a generous line considering what we are on paper. We are a team that won four games last year going into the second toughest schedule in the country, according to a lot of websites. Much tougher than last year without a quarterback that's taken a Division One snap when we are debating who a lot of our starters are going to be, let's, and it's not exactly like we're running the same system as last year. We're rebooting everything. I think it's optimistic to be a Husker fan, but yeah, I, I think there will probably be quite a few people that take that under bet outside of Nebraska. I'm going to counter this way, Tyler. I mean, we have the uh, last year's coach of the year, won several awards. Scott Frost, he just swept all these uh, Coach of the Year awards, and he's now our coach. So five and a half seems low. What could you possibly think it would be if Mike Riley returned this year after a 4-8 season? What would that over-under be if Mike Riley had returned? I, I think comparable. I mean, I think that right. there's some – I mean, maybe it goes to five or four and a half. I mean, I don't think, I don't think it goes – I don't think it goes to three. Maybe, now, maybe my confidence in what the spread would do would be different. I don't – I just think that you're right. We got last year's coach of the year, but how many coach of the years can you name besides Nick Saban? Like, don't let's start acting like this is some award that's like, well, he was a former, wasn't Gene Shiznick a former coach of the year? Shiznick. I mean, I mean let, let, let's be uh, real about some of these guys that have won this award. 
And and let's yeah, not overreact. Win a national championship before he got fired. Scott well, yeah. won a national championship according to UCF. Not according <laughs> to Troy Walters. <laughs> yeah. But still, I think five and a half just seems a little low given the circumstances. I don't think we have a terrible team coming back. I mean, that's I'd probably you know, it's probably not far off from a good line. I think you'll probably see it come up to six and a half by uh, fall. Well, because all the Nebraska fans will bet the over, which will drag up the line. I think six and a half is still a better line. Just, just looking at the schedule, like six and a half, I would be scared to bet. Five and a half, I, I would not be scared to bet that. I really wouldn't. You look at I, our schedule, I, just I understand think... it's tough because we have five really tough games. But we also have, in my opinion, seven winnable games. Doesn't mean we'll win what are all the seven? seven of them. What are the seven games you think right now? If we played, I think I think we any would be game could be winnable for Nebraska outside of probably Ohio State, Michigan, uh, Michigan State, uh, Wisconsin, and probably Iowa. I don't know. Oh, we well. First of all, Iowa's definitely winnable, but. I was always fucked. So let, let's let's do it this real. Let's do it this way, real quick. I'm gonna just run down the schedule. You guys can say win or loss. I'll tally up the scores. Wait, okay? wait, 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 wait. Are we saying what we think or what Vegas would probably have? Well, I mean, because that that my, my you, debate, you can, you my, my argument this. here isn't what I think's gonna happen. Because Derek, I'm with you. I think we're probably gonna be a six, seven eight win team i just think that right now the fact that vegas is disrespecting us is not really shocking because look at what we did last year i think what we did with last year was with poor coaching though like there was enough talent on this team i think you can win some more games than that i mean we all know that there was enough talent on this team that we probably were better than a four four win team but that defense was atrocious because there was no effort whatsoever on that defense if Bob Diaco would have just came down to the sideline, it would have fixed it all, apparently. Apparently. I, I, I just, I, I've said this quote many times on this podcast. Vegas didn't get these large buildings because they're wrong very often. I think they are looking at the stats. They are looking at the returning starters, which, be, let's be real, we're not returning a lot of talent. How many all-conference players are, re, are we returning? That's a good question right there. Yeah, I don't uh, – Stanley Morgan, J.D. Spielman, yeah. and that's about it. Like, let's just let's – just, again, I'm optimistic about this year, but I'm optimistic that we're going to be a bowl-eligible team. Like, let's pump the brakes and thinking that five-and-a-half is some, like, massive disrespect because that – in reality, when most of us would probably would have a six-and-a-half is really the line. Okay, yeah, I mean, I guess I guess we put it that way. Yeah, I mean, what are we arguing about? Is it one game difference? I I, I can see your point, yeah, because it, it still hurts as a Nebraska fan. I mean, Jesus Christ, Mike Riley had a higher win total by Vegas last year. And I just, it kind of sucks that, you know, Scott Frost comes in and that win total drops. You know, it's like... What would well, that be if Mike Riley was here? Would it be three and a half? So, so I'm going to ask this question, and this may be premature here, but let's say Vegas is right. 
And let's say we end up being a five-win team this year. Does that? What does that do to Scott Frost year one if that happens? Do you think he is just so he's going to be able to blame Riley for a good two years and escape everything, or do you think that takes a little shine off of him? Uh, it'll take shine off of him. I, people aren't going to be really ready to fire him by any stretch of imagination, but sure, it'll take some shine off of him. And it, it's, some of the shine's going to come off of him on his first loss. It doesn't matter. He's not going to stay this perfect coach from now until the time he retires. Or from now until the time thing he with Nebraska, it, whatever. Losing, losing to a team that he shouldn't lose to is going to hurt him more than... I mean, obviously, Mike Riley. Mike Riley didn't give a shit if he lost a game. He'd be like, hey, guys, how's your day going? Want to sing hip-hop already? <laughs> I wish I could see hip-hip hooray. <laughs> but, well, I, I think that, Derek, I agree with you. I think that him losing is going to do it. I mean, you're going to – I think the, the shine is going to come off Frost. You're going to hear people being like, where's the fullback? Osborne would have had a fullback and – you're going to start hearing these old Husker fans come up just like they do every time and start saying, this coach doesn't know what he's doing the second that it happens. Uh, great transition. Uh, let's get to Ben Miles. Ben Miles, is he announced his transfer. Uh, I, you know, What are you going to say? They, they cut his job position. You know, he's got to go to a new employer. <laughs> Tyler, what do you think about that? I mean, you, you, you're you right, Justin. I mean, it, it's they cut his position, but you, you look at the guy who was, you know, arguably the best fullback coming out of high school. I think a lot of different recruiting sources had him in that position. Um, and being a university that in the past has really liked a fullback, I think there was a lot of optimism about what he could do. Um, that's just not what the coaching staff is doing today. There, there isn't really a position on the field for him. Um, so good for him. You know, I, I appreciate what he said. He was so honest on his way out saying the reason why I'm leaving is because I don't fit this scheme. Yeah. And, and, I, and again, I think there's still this going to be culture shock when we are on that goal line and it's third and one on the goal and we line up four wide and shotgun. There's still going to be some shock on the Scott Frost offense come fall. Derek? Well, let's face it. The fans are eventually going to have to shut up because the fullback position as a whole is dying. It's, it's not used in the NFL hardly at all anymore. <laughs> It's not used in college near as much. It's, it's just a it's just a position that doesn't seem to have much meaning to it anymore. And I, I feel bad for the kid because he was recruited to come here and play in this pro style offense. And I mean, I suppose maybe he could have moved out to like an H back or a tight end type of position, and maybe he'd have been okay. But you can't blame the kid for one transfer. I, I don't blame him whatsoever. Uh, I, I'm not even 100% sure that maybe since we have scholarships, we have to cut anyway. Maybe the, the coaching staff didn't kind of go, hey, uh, you know, you're probably not going to see the field much being a fullback. So well, I don't think Ben think Miles going somewhere else. I don't think the coaching staff needed to talk to him. Like, I, he probably found out quick in spring ball that uh, 
there were no plays called for a fullback. <laughs> so well, it's like, yeah, it's not, well, it's not like he wasn't on the field, though. It wasn't like he wasn't practicing or doing anything. I mean, they were trying him out at other positions. Well, yeah, I mean, you're not you, – you need speed in a Scott Frost offense, and I don't think uh, as a position player offense, I don't think there's any room for a Ben Miles. But that's okay. He's going to have a better opportunity wherever else he goes, and it's going to be the best thing for him. And, and, and I hope he gets that opportunity. I, I would like to see, you know, he had a lot of interest from a lot of big-time programs. I hope um, sometimes these kids lose a little bit of shine if they go to a university and transfer after a year. I hope that doesn't happen with Ben Miles. Uh, you know, so we lose him, but we get word that uh, Woodyard – is uh, eligible and he's going to be coming here. What May twenty second, I think is. Uh, did right. hear that that's date right? Saw. Yeah, so he's going to be on campus, so that's going to add a little bit of depth there. Uh, thoughts? Did you guys were you guys worried about uh, Jaron Wood Woodyard? Not really. Everyone's been saying for a while now that he'd probably be here in May, so it wasn't really a big issue. I didn't think. I mean. <laughs> Well, cool. Uh, all right. Uh, you guys ready to get out of here? <laughs> Tyler is. <laughs> all right, let's get to the last call segment. It's the segment where anything goes and each cousin gives a parting shot. Uh, so let's start with you, Derek. All right. So uh, Charles Barkley's at it again. This guy every year has to come out and publicly apologize to somebody. He just they either need to get him off the air, or he needs to learn to cut to keep his mouth shut. He made a comment about somebody out, or he need, he wanted to punch Draymond Green in the face, or somebody ought to punch Draymond Green in the face, whatever the comment was. But again, he had to come out and publicly apologize because he's a dumbass. <laughs> Tyler, do you think if Charles Barkley swung at Draymond Green, there'd be a stutter in his fist? <laughs> because that I would like to see. I would like to see a punch from Charles Barkley similar to his golf swing. That would be good to see. Um, and oh I, I, in general, I would very much like to see Draymond Green get punched. Charles Barkley is a good candidate. I would pay to see this. UFC 238, Charles Barkley with Draymond Green. You know, I mean, if Charles Barkley is going to start punching people in the face, he might as well just finish off the rest of the Golden State Warriors, you know? Line up Steph Curry also. Just line all those guys up and just punch them in the face. You know, Charles Barkley, he's one of these guys that, you know, if the NBA uh, announcing doesn't work out for him, he's going to have a job there in the WWE because that's what he does. I mean, he's he says controversial stuff to fire people up you see him you know uh you see him in studio trying to rile up Shaq, and it's entertaining that's what he does he says outrageous things charles barkley is being charles barkley and he sounds so. like an idiot like normal of course but that's charles barkley tyler last call to you so if you are a newer listener to the podcast, you probably have realized that I have been semi-critical of one LeBron James. And I, I'm not ready to take it back, but I will just comment that 
That man had one hell of a series against the Indiana Pacers. Uh, he led the Cavs in scoring rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks. He is the first player to have done that in an NBA series. That is a great accomplishment. Not talking about the fact that he literally carried his team to victory in Game 7, made the big shot in Game 5, had a hell of a series. Um, and I will be really anxious to see what he continues to do through the East before he gets to the finals and the Warriors sweep him. But it's going to be really exciting to see what he does in the East these next couple weeks. I don't need to add anything to that. I'm a LeBron James fan, and you said it great. I mean, just I want the parting shot to go to you. Derek? I hope he breaks his pinky toe and can't play for the rest of the offseason. <laughs> That's uh, Derek for you. All right, but, but, but Justin, 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 you didn't think it was great that the Warriors are going to sweep him in the NBA Finals? I tell you, you know that, that's the part that hurts me right there. I mean, as great as LeBron James is doing, I don't see uh, the Cavs even making it to the finals. I mean, they're on borrowed time, guys. They are on borrowed time. They pulled out a miracle against Toronto last night. I mean, God, it, time's going to. It's going to end for him. You know, I don't know who's going to hand it to him, but... Well, let's let's uh, not forget, though, that the Toronto is the number one seed. I mean... They are. They are. And so they, yeah, pulled, they, they just pulled out a big win one. on the road. Don't, don't, Toronto I mean, missed... As much as I don't like them, don't count, count them out. Le, Toronto as long as they got missed, LeBron, they can win something. Toronto is... The, LeBron is Toronto's kryptonite. Toronto missed, like... Eight of their final ten shots, and like five of those shots were inside three feet. They missed like five layups in a game that they should have won against LeBron. Le- LeBron just has the, like a hicks on this. The question is going to be that that Eastern Conference Finals. It, it's going to be Celtics versus Philly, and that's going to be a hell of a fun watch. Well, you know I. The rest of the story is, you know, I, I, I like LeBron James. I like Tyron Lue. But I don't think a Cavs in the finals is going to make for a very interesting finals at all. Why is that? Because the, the Warriors. That's right. The Warriors. Oh, the, the Warriors. Warriors yeah. come out to play. <laughs> that was a great movie. What was that, 1979 movie? Anyway, the Rockets will be in there. Guys, so. Uh, all right, last call to me. I forget what I was going to say now. I'm fired <laughs> up by you bitching about it. Anyway, the American Football Coaches Association, they unanimously uh, agreed for a new rule uh, to grant grad transfers an extra year of eligibility if they graduate from that school. And I think that could have huge implications if the NCAA uh, passes that rule. I mean, that I think that would be cool, and it's probably something that you know, grad transfers they could, uh, or not grad transfers. I'm sorry, just transfers. Uh, if you transfer from the university, extra year of eligibility back if you graduate from that tran- from that university. So, pretty cool on them for passing. We'll see what if the NCAA does the right thing. Derek, what do you think? This is stupid. Like. Instead of granting an extra year of eligibility, why not just do the whole you can play right away and just do away with having to sit out a year? Doesn't that make more sense than giving an extra year of eligibility and then making them sit out a year still? No. no I, 
I don't think so. I think that's uh, one of those things that becomes free agency. You don't want that. You're still going to do that. that by adding an extra no. year of eligibility because you're not losing anything other than you have to sit out for a year. Yeah. You're still going to have to be able to play four. for three or four, two or three years or whatever eligibility you have left. I think it's a penalty. I mean, it's like if you giving have to an extra out. red shirt season. That's all it's doing. Tyler? Derek, that was dumb. I mean, you said some <laughs> dumb things on this podcast, and, and that and that's one of the dumb. It's completely different. The, the reason why we don't want people to play right away is because it completely makes people wanting to transfer every minute. I, I think this rule is also very dumb because why are we going to reward people from transferring? There's this prima donna generation out there that people are committing and going to these things. Make a kid actually commit to where he's going. If they want to transfer, there are damn consequences. Like, let this shit go. And I, I think this is a dumb rule. If you leave, you should lose it a year of eligibility. Are you speaking to Ben Miles right now, Tyler? No, Ben Miles is a good kid. He deserves that. <laughs> I mean, are you Speaking. talking to Patrick O'Brien? <laughs> well, we don't know if he's transferring. He may just be retiring from football by the time it's all said and done. Okay, but, but you know, outside of those two guys, everybody else okay. gets set and spin. If you're a good kid, let's be nice, but let's, let's move on here. Let's, I had a good Speaking point. Of, hey. Speaking of prima donna dipshits, did you guys see Josh Rawson's uh, comments after he got drafted? Yeah, talking about how no, pissed he was that he got dropped back down to number ten during the draft. Shut up and be happy you got drafted in the first round, dumbass. Yeah, I didn't really take. I didn't have an issue with what he said. I mean, if that's what fires him up and he's going to come up motivated, and you I, know, I, I don't like this kid. I haven't liked him from the get go, and these comments yeah, prove to me how him. spoiled and rotten he is. He's just another Johnny Manziel. He'll drop out of the NFL in the next two years. Who, who has a longer playing career, him or Baker Mayfield? Josh Rosen, easy, oh. because uh, Mayfield went to the Browns. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't and that the kiss and that's where pe- the that's where every, Browns wanted you? That's where every NFL player goes to die. So, Yeah, I mean, I there, there's... There's nobody that deserved that pick more than Baker Mayfield going to the Browns. I mean, that was just instant karma right there. I loved it. Uh, anyway, guys, uh, let's get out of here. Uh, be sure to follow the Husker Cuzcast on Twitter at Husker Cuzcast. Like us on Facebook. You can find all of our episodes on Podbean and on iTunes. Make sure you check out HuskerHype.com for the latest in Husker news and all of our episodes there. On behalf of Derek and Tyler, we want to thank everybody for listening. We'll see you next week, and as always, go Big Red.